The following story is quoted from History.com. Before gaining his greatest fame with the New York Yankees, Babe Ruth was a star with the rival Boston Red Sox. As an ace pitcher and slugging outfielder, Ruth helped Boston win three World Series titles in his first six seasons with the team. Then, after the 1919 season, Red Sox owner and Broadway producer Harry Frazee sold the man nicknamed the Bambino to the New York Yankees for $125,000 and a $300,000 loan that he used to pay Fenway Park's mortgage and stage the musical No No Nanette. The Red Sox also received something else in return. Misery. The fortunes of both franchises quickly changed after the transaction. The Yankees, who had never appeared in a World Series prior to Ruth's arrival, became a dynasty. Boston became Mudville. New York captured 26 World Series titles in the eight decades after the sale of baseball's biggest icon, compared with zero for the Red Sox. The transformation of the teams was so stark that superstitious Red Sox fans mused that a vengeful Ruth had cast a spell over the club after his departure. Much like the Babe himself, the, quote, curse of the Bambino took on legendary proportions. For Boston baseball fans, the worst part of the curse of the Bambino wasn't just that the Red Sox didn't win. It's that they lost in the most excruciating ways possible. To say nothing of numerous regular season collapses, the Red Sox reached Game 7 of the World Series four times in the decades after Ruth's departure. And four times they lost. It would be nearly a century before Boston's so-called Curse of the Bambino would finally be broken. Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast, where we explore the history, stories, myths, legends, and hype that make shoes what they are today. We are Jared and Nick, two brothers with a passion for shoes. We are excited to have you along for the journey. Even through almost 100 years of futility, in searching for that elusive World Series title, the Red Sox succeeded in becoming an embedded fixture in baseball, New England, and American culture. They became as synonymous with New England as changing foliage, Patriots football, apple picking, visits to Salem in the fall, and chowder. The recognizable red B on the Red Sox hat is unmistakable, as are the uniforms with Red Sox emblazoned on the chest, and a patch depicting a small pair of red stockings fixed to the sleeve. Fenway, the Green Monster, Boston's nine World Series titles, and a slew of legendary names that have been part of Red Sox legends add to the mystique. The Babe, Big Poppy, Pedro, Yaz, The Rocket, 
the greatest hitter who ever lived, and the list goes on. Not to mention, the Red Sox are the fifth most winningest franchise in MLB history. Suffice it to say, the Red Sox are kind of a big deal. But what about the team name, Red Sox? It's extremely straightforward, some might even say plain, but it commands respect. How did the name come about? How did a humble pair of red socks end up as the moniker for what is arguably one of the most iconic organizations in all of sports? Let's dive in and get to the bottom of this story, which might be fraught with scandal, intrigue, and crime. Just after the American Civil War, the Red Stockings nickname was first used by the Cincinnati Red Stockings, who were members of the National Association of Baseball Players. Cincinnati adopted a uniform with white knickers and red stockings and earned the famous nickname Red Stockings. The Red Knee Socks were condemned at the time as, quote, immoral by some of the more prudish folks who followed the ball club. When the Cincinnati Red Stockings folded after the 1870 season, their manager, Harry Wright, was hired by Boston businessman Ivers Whitney Adams to organize a new team in Boston. Wright brought three teammates and the Red Stockings nickname to Boston. At the time, sports teams' nicknames were unofficial and not trademarked, so the name migration was quite informal. After Harry Wright's arrival in Boston, the Boston Red Stockings won four championships in the five seasons of the new National Association, the first professional baseball league. In 1876, a new Cincinnati club was formed and included in the National League, and the Red Stockings nickname was commonly associated once again with the Cincinnati team, while the Boston team was nicknamed the Red Caps. Fast forward a couple of decades to 1901, when the newly formed American League established a club in Boston, an intra-city competitor and counterpart to the National League's Red Caps. For seven seasons, the newer American League team wore dark blue stockings and had no official nickname. Some of their unofficial monikers included just Boston, or Bostonians, the Bostons, the Americans, or Boston Americans as in the Boston American Leaguers, given that Boston was a two-team city. Newspaper writers of the time used other nicknames for the club, including Somersets, for owner Charles Somers, Plymouth Rocks, Bean Eaters, the Collinsites, for manager Jimmy Collins, and Pilgrims. For years, many sources have listed Pilgrims as the early Boston American League team's official nickname, but further research has shown that the name was used sparingly, if at all, during the team's early years. The origin of the Pilgrim's nickname appears to be a poem entitled The Pilgrims at Home, written by Edwin Fitzwilliam, that was sung at the 1907 home opener for the team. This nickname was commonly used during that season, perhaps because the team had a new manager and several rookie players. But ultimately, 
Club owner John I. Taylor said in December 1907 that the name Pilgrim sounded, quote, too much like homeless wanderers. While Boston's American League team was searching for their identity, the National League club in Boston was going through their own journey of self-discovery. Though seldom called the Red Stockings anymore, the National League team still wore red trim. In 1907, the National League club adopted an all-white uniform. Some stories say that the team physician was worried that the red dye in the stockings could increase the chance of infection in leg wounds that players might suffer. And with this, the American League team saw an opportunity. On December 18, 1907, John I. Taylor announced that his American League club had officially adopted red as its new team color. The 1908 uniforms featured a large icon of a red stocking angling across the shirt front. For 1908, the National League club returned to wearing red trim, but the American League team finally had an official nickname and remained the Red Sox for good. Sox is simply the shortened version of stocking and had been previously adopted by the Chicago White Sox in 1904 when newspapers needed a more headline-friendly form of stockings. Stockings win, written in large type, simply did not fit in a newspaper column, nor did it exactly roll off of the tongue. Sports writers sometimes refer to the Red Sox as the Crimson Hose and the Old Town Team. Occasionally, media will jokingly refer to the team as the Sox, spelled S-A-W-X, reflecting how the word is pronounced with a New England accent. Boston's National League team would cycle through several names, including the Red Caps and Bean Eaters, before officially adopting the nickname Braves in 1912. The Boston Braves club eventually left Boston for Milwaukee in 1953, and would find their way down south to Atlanta after some years, where they currently play as the Atlanta Braves. So that is the story of how a humble piece of hosiery has become synonymous with one of the most culturally significant organizations in professional sports. I guess there wasn't much scandal, intrigue, or crime. Sorry to all you disappointed listeners. But hey, now you know the story behind that Red Sox hat or sweatshirt you might be wearing, and you can actually sound like a real fan if someone asks you whether or not you like the Red Sox. So yeah, there's that. And for anyone wondering whether or not the Boston Red Sox actually wear red socks as part of their uniform, yes, yes they do. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Immortal Souls podcast. For more information, show notes, pictures, or just to say hi, check us out at immortalsoulspodcast.com, Instagram, or Twitter. Original theme music by Scott Spriggs. Five-star reviews are always helpful and hugely appreciated. Until next time, keep walking the roads less traveled.